Now you're doing yoga. 
you know, it's, it's just what it is. My favorite state has always been Arizona, but it's so hot there in the summertime. We went to Utah last year when we touched down, it was 113 in Nevada, 113. That's normal for those people in the summertime. Can you, can you imagine 130? Oh, I'm just going to go out. It's, oh, it's 113. It's a beautiful day. No, no, it's not. It's, it's still 113 dry heat or not, but yeah, um, I, you do get used to it. Um, you, you learn to uh, adapt as to when you go out. Uh, but, uh, you know, they have sunshine and we don't have a lot of sunshine here in Rochester. Different lifestyle there for sure. Yeah. I just worry about fresh water down there. I'd hate to ever think that, man, I can't get water enough to support my life. That would be the biggest concern in the Southwest. Right. It, I, it, it definitely should be a, a recreational place to go, not someone to migrate to because too many people are migrating and it's gobbling up the resources. And we have our resources here, upstate New York, right there in our flooding Lake Ontario. They're prevalent here. Yeah, yeah. you're right. Gives a nice safe zone. So cannabis story. I came across a really cool cannabis story. We've mentioned the last couple of weeks some changes in the... Ooh, wait. Let's talk about what Bob's drinking. <laughs> Bob, how is your concoction? It's, it's lovely. Oh he's, got, oh, he's got a little tiny teacup with a little tiny saucer. Let me, like an English tea party for one because I don't have one. <sighs> I probably should have. Um, and what, what do you have there? What flavors did you put together here, Bob? It's, it's a little bit of coconut in, um, coconut oil, uh, with, uh, caramel. It's, it's really kind of tasty. Like a tea? Yeah, it's like a little tea. And you came in with a little sign of something. Has it helped clear it at all? No, I just started drinking it. It's not really for medicinal. It's for recreational. <laughs> Um, do you enjoy the flavor of it? I do. I think it's it, it is very good, and it's just a few drops of the caramel, and um, a, I think it was a teaspoon of the coconut oil with something else in it infused. Infused, yeah. So I like it. Yeah. So it's a little test test tea for Bob today. Yeah, it's warming my soul. We like it. So we've been talking about how. We can almost go back deeper, but sports has always kind of been in the political fray. Back in the day, Bill Russell, um, athletes would, would march on Washington. Um, you know, it's a little bit different now where athletes are expected to stay in their lane and make their money and blah, blah, blah. Um, but sports leagues have always been at the cusp of change. And now we've, we've talked about, and I'm going to spell it out again, Major League Baseball has basically legalized cannabis. They're not going to test for it anymore. They're not going to penalize for it, um, but they are going to te test for cannabinoids, uh, excuse me, um, for opioids and provide a program in place for players to get off the addiction to opioids. Uh, and opioids are used regularly in that environment because you're talking about players that play so many games per year, 162 or whatever this season is. It's so long, a baseball season. It's like they almost have no off season. Uh, extends in November, I think, at this point, and then it picks up again in April. Um, but these guys every day go through the grind, their arms, their legs. Um, you know, it's 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 a different kind of sport, different kind of athlete, and it's great to see that the cannabis plant is being seen as something that's beneficial to the recovery um, and not a detriment as far as uh, something they worry about addiction or, or performance enhancing. 
But on the side of the opioids, that's where I like socially where things are going because it's becoming more of a norm now socially for opioids and what they're seeing as addiction and people starting with pain management and then taking it much further than that and really reshaping their lives in a negative way. Secondly, um, we know now that uh, the NFL is only going to test for two weeks per year uh, and they're not going to penalize players for for testing um, instead of what the previous testing was. Uh, and many former players, uh, we've mentioned before, Calvin Johnson, Chris Long, Ricky Williams, th- these sort of players have all been outspoken and adamant about their usage and how it helped them in recovery. Um, so it helped rolling that trend. So now I got this really cool story um, from the NBA realm because I've always said that uh, in the NBA realm, um, I always thought this they'd be first. Um, but I think part of it is the stigma of the players um, and the NBA and, you know, uh, former Commissioner Stern who passed recently um, really was uh, a stickler on how players dressed and held themselves so they didn't look like thugs or didn't have a certain look because he wanted the NBA to be, uh, and basketball to be a global game. And he really was a catalyst for that. He recognized, recognized that his players were the marketing tool to do that. So he set a real precedent on players. So I think that's why weed and the NBA are gonna, were a little slower than maybe they should have. But I got this really cool story. I'm going to read the story just because um, I don't remember all the facts of it. And I want to make sure um, that I say it all. But marijuana and the NBA erasing the stigma and healing the league. Uh, the ground rules for, for this private, so there's a private party put on, um, and, and I'm going to tell it from the perspective of the writer, and I'm reading this off of, uh, uh, it's by Tom, Tom Habershoff um, and Monty Poole, um, who, Tom Habershoff is an NBA writer. A group rules for the private affair were non-negotiable. All tickets priced at $200 must be purchased online. Each buyer, uh, buyer would be screened in advance. There would be no cell phones or personal vehicles. Invitees were directed to arrive at a central location in Oakland Hills, where they would be met by Mercedes-Benz vans and shuttled a short distance to a residence identified only 48 hours earlier. The guest of honor was cannabis. The party's host was Brian Shaw, the former NBA player and coach who uses various forms of the plant and insists it makes his life more comfortable. The purpose of the sponsored event was to educate attendees, mostly retired professional athletes, musicians, and other cultural influencers about its various medicinal uses. Details can be found on the 12-page invitation featuring photos, among others, former NBA commissioner David Stern, Hall of Fame quarterback Joe Montana, quoting their belief in the health benefits of cannabis. Celebrity chef Nikki Stewart with residence hostess Nikki Shaw served as co-chef would prepare an eight-course meal with a partial menu including braised lamb shanks. I'm not going to go into details of all that. Though the invitation described the evening as a culinary experience that stretches your perspective and palate, the actual fare went well beyond edibles. There was live music and a DJ along with a full bar with infused cocktails, wine, and beer. Massage tables were set up around the swimming pool. There were roll-your-own blunt stations and a dab bar, offering cannabis in concentrated form. There was instruction on the use of terpenes. The evening was equal parts question and answer and revelry with a smorgasbord of cannabis-related products available under the watchful eye of federal agents whose attendance in the presence of large quantities is required for regulatory reasons. Though select or Detroit players were in attendance, no current NBA players were invited. Training camps were open in a few days, which meant the resumption of drug tests. Cannabis 
Cannabis, according to experts, can remain in the system for up to four weeks. It would have been an irresponsible of me to have active NBA players there, said Shaw, who has a full understanding of the league's policies. Shaw and his wife, Nick, uh, Chef Nikki, opened their Hilltop home for more than 250 guests for the substances. That is the coolest thing. A cannabis party? But targeting specific people about the education piece of it, right? Because that's what we keep talking about, the education piece of it. Right. And, the, and Brian Shaw was a, a very good NBA player, shooter, guard, and coach um, through, through the league. So very respected individual. This isn't someone who's off. Um, and there are a lot of people in the league. Um, also, I think we've talked about this before, Al Harrington used cannabis to start a converse, uh, conversation. Um, it was October 2017. Harrington had never been as nervous as he was in that moment. No NBA game, no matter how long, big stage. Uh, he would become a pivotal interview with former NBA commissioner David Stern and many eyes changed the cannabis landscape. Uh, that was my first interview in my life. Har- Harrington says now for my first interview to be David Stern on a topic like that, that I was extremely nervous. Uh, L Harrington, um, is a former NBA player who's spearheading and trying to educate the NBA and the players on the cannabis plant and how to handle it. Um, and they go on a little bit about how, how is he, he's involved in it. Um, and trying to perpetuate it. So these stories are great. I think they're helping the social culture and what we've seen in the last year just doing the show. How many people were attending? I think it said 250. 250. And I'm sure not everybody's a cannabis user, so. I would imagine, yeah. I would imagine almost all 250 were, though. I can't imagine there was someone there who, who wasn't a cannabis user. Because remember, everybody's being screened. Okay. But... I mean, maybe, can you imagine being in that room with all of that going on and not indulging at all? It would be an enjoyable experience, I suppose, from uh, sidelines. From a, um, I don't know. You know, we've talked about this, a room of drunks and a room of people on weed. Like, I guess it'd be a good social experiment, but that, that person's going to feel a lot more comfortable. He would see a lot more with a room full of drunks. Don't you think? They're going to be more comfortable with a room full of, full of drunks? No, no, no. They'll, they'll see a lot more. It'll be a lot more to report oh, yeah, 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 room yeah. full of drunks versus the wee bunch yeah. of potheads. Yeah. But I just love the story. I love where it's going. Um, what do you got, Bob? Uh, the, bam. I'm just looking up the uh, the California laws, seeing if there's anything changing in there. Um, trying to see. Just uh, We only have 10 states that are legal for recreational use. Is that is that it? I believe, yeah. I believe that's where we're at right now. I think Michigan was the last, right? Was Michigan listed as the last on that story you're reading? Well, yeah, I'm in California right now. But I thought there was something going on in California, so I'm I'm trying to investigate in that area. Okay, while you're looking that up, um, I am going to announce something that's coming up April 18th and 19th here in Rochester. Pretty cool event. It's called the Flower City Cup. It's being sponsored by uh, a collective of organizations um, to try to obviously advance the education uh, of the cannabis plant and CBD. Uh, so tickets are 20 to $45 ranging, but I'll tell you a little bit about what the event is. Make sure you get out to support local companies. Uh, so the Flower City Cup is a two-day event and competition raising money and awareness to support causes that the collective believes in. Uh, the Flower City Cup is a two-day event 
to support causes you believe in. Join us in competition or for fun and enjoy music vendors, silent auction, the Flower City Bake Off, and the Flower City Cup award ceremony and celebration. So it's today. The first April 18th is at Three Heads Brewing at 187 Atlantic Avenue. It's called the People's Choice Patio Party. Um, they'll have a party from 3 to 7 o'clock with vendors, munchies, and glass blowing, food trucks, and sampling. Um, and then you'll also be able to sample products from local uh, local producers who will submit entries to the competition. Uh, and then the next day, there will, will be the actual cup with a silent auction, uh, awards. Uh, some of the things that will be going on is people will be getting awards for marketing uh, products, topicals, um, and I forget the last category. Where's that again? Uh, Three Heads Brewing. You can, you can look it up, Google Flower City Cup Hemp Lab. It'll pop right up. Uh, it's on Inventbrite is where you can actually go. Uh, but it is a very cool event put on by our friend Zach Sarkis, who we have on, we have had on here recently. Um, the event proceeds will go to um, Hope Dealers, Opioid Reduction, Metaviver, Fighting Breast Cancer, Green Visions, Youth Employment and Empowerment, National Expungement Week, Social Justice, Veterans Ananda, uh, Veteran Support, New York Hemp Lab, uh, and Rock Normal are all, are all part of it. Um, you can look online, like I said, to get more information. So I just want to make sure you put that out there. Bob, did you figure out what you were looking for? Yeah, nothing's really changing. Okay. The only thing changing is... Um, you know, hopefully tax structure. <laughs> In California? Everywhere. Oh. Just to make this, a, a, to, to stop the black market and really put this through the, the market we need to um, and help these companies make good products where they can make a profit off them. You had an interesting speculation about the black market prior to the show or in regards to the failure of the vaping and what it has led to. What what what, uh, what did you state? So many different things, but <laughs> in regards to the black market uh, uh, rebounding, the sale of yes, flour is definitely rebounding black market right. um, because of the the fear of the the vitamin E acetone. Um, there's definitely a lingering effect of that around. Um, we're hearing it from everybody. Uh, I just talked to Karen Tobin, who we had on the show several weeks ago and she's been spending a lot of time at Albany the last 90 days uh, and talking about how to introduce this rec program to really make sure the black market just doesn't flourish because if it's a high tax rate and that's what Steve Vandewal was mentioning when he was on is if it's a high tax rate the black market's still going to flourish oh right um, probably flourish even more yeah it's not going to help at all and it's, it's not going to cure what it needs to so you, you need to create an environment where companies and a big debate is now vertical integration. Do you want to have these companies that do everything from seed to sale, um, or are you going to try and split it up? But then if you have the tax rates in there, you're going to make it harder for these companies that are split up to make a profit. So where's the happy medium? And Karen's not fighting, but trying to, to give examples um, because of her history of creating the software program for the industry and understanding the financial piece of it, because that was her background before getting into the cannabis industry. She, is, she was there, and Steve was... They're pitching Jason Klimek's plan, and Jason Klimek is running for state senator here in New York State, so make sure you check out his website, uh, Jason Klimek for State Senate. He's a cannabis, uh, he is a proponent of cannabis, 
uh, and he's also running on the Democratic seat, I believe. Um, and he is really putting through a lot of thoughtful, um, not legislation, but I guess uh, papers on how the tax structure should go to make sure that this works in the state. That's really where the root of the changes needs to happen to make sure companies can be successful. Do you know of any upcoming meetings or can, you know, get-togethers as to for to talk about? Allegedly, it's ongoing now. That's why these guys have been going there for the last ninety days. And allegedly, from what we hear, by the end of April, there's going to be a decision. Can anybody just show up, like be in the crowd to listen to their? conversation I, I don't know the website you go to i know there's a website that you can see what's going on uh, if you want to be involved in albany i'm not that i with so much going on i don't pay attention to that mm-hmm. you probably could reach out to steve and ask him that question he, he would know and i think he spelled it out the last episode he was on how he got into it um and i think it was him just reaching out to some some because uh, he had also been a political advocate through rock normal uh, and that gave him his channels to get into albany um, so i think it's just about knowing someone and getting a meeting when you went to that conference, was that was in Rochester, correct? Did they reach out and talk to people? Did they ask questions, or, or was there, was there just a talk amongst themselves? I went to a roundtable recently put on by Hemp Lab. So they're doing for anybody who wants to know, uh, are interested in the industry here in Rochester, New York, or or in New York State in general. Um, Hemp Lab here in Rochester is, is putting together a roundtable discussion once a month, and then other events including maybe on-site visits, certain places, and some educational stuff. Uh, but the roundtable events themselves are trying to bring people to just talk about the issues, right? So Steve talked about, Vanderwell talked about um, the legislation side because he was in Albany. Um, Zach was talking about a little bit about what he knew. Um, and then people would chime up. Uh, Richard Glazer was there uh, from from that family, and, and he was asking about standards within the industry, and you know he just wanted to understand better uh, on things. So it's just people just really throwing ideas out on the table. There's a lot of farmers, people talking about what the FDA is going to say, people talking about ag and markets. Uh, uh, right now, a lot of everybody, the, the gist of the conversation was around the rec market, because everybody knows that's coming up. And as we discussed with Steve, with the MRTA and the um, CRTA um, specifically, right? So that's what's being modified right now and put through. Um, but in that discussion, uh, it's it's actually nice because you're, you're meeting people. I think in the room, um, there was someone from Canopy. There was uh, several farmers. There was, like I said, Mr. Glazer. Um, there was a CO2 processor in the room. Uh, Tom Borden from Rock Normal, um, Dan Horowitz from Cannamill, Kristen Stein uh, for Industrial Waste, um, who are some other names of the people who were there, um, Ann Blyce from Hemp Lab, uh, and then Zach. So it was interesting. There was about 15 people in the, in the room. Um, so it's really it's just about, to me, it looks like it's just trying to help develop partnerships in this, in this social, if that's what you're referencing, Bob. I think so. Yeah. And New York is supposed to vote next next month again. It's supposed to be putting these bills through and, and being put up for a vote. Yeah. Can't be soon enough. And then we're interested to see how it's all going to go, how these companies are going to be chosen, how are the dispensary owners going to be chosen, um, you know, a lot of that stuff. And then the home grows. I just got concerns about 
New York State sending people into your house to inspect your home grows. Yeah, that's kind of freaky. Uh, Steve mentioned that if it doesn't go through, then it won't. Kind of, he kind of paraphrased it that that we're kind of like doom and gloom. I mean, so if it doesn't go through, are we completely off the table for recreational marijuana use, or is it? No, I th- it, I think it's inevitable in the state. It's just a matter of them dotting the I's and crossing the T's, so all the politicians are happy. Okay. And where the social side of it's going to go, the money. I mean, not that we're threatening, but we can just go across the border to Mass. Massachusetts, and yeah. that's where all our money is going to go, and New York is going to just be even more pissed off. Yeah, or our black market will just keep just thri- thriving. Right. Um, you got you got anything else on the table? Because I got one. I got something go, else go, to go. 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 All right, um, and then I'll give it back to you for for your next piece. But uh, this is actually a really big deal. So right now we we've, we've talked about several times waiting on rulings from the FDA and how they're going to see CBD and cannabis in foods. And I'm really interested why they didn't do the same thing with THC. This just dawned on me the day. I'm like, why why isn't THC and the edibles through the THC and dispensaries and all that? Um, why is the FDA have they given rulings on that? On, on proper dosage on edibles like like but no. CBD they are so concerned that you know they're putting a stop on a lot of things so it what's the difference between two Bob what am I missing like I, I'm right right like I don't know it's, it's a matter of what they can control I don't know so England and Europe is always very much ahead of us. Like for instance, their perspective of the vape industry is it is way better than smoking. And they actually encourage vaping in all of Europe um, to the point where I believe they can vape in hospitals over there. I heard, I don't know if that's a true story, but they are very much encouraging of vaping over in Europe um, as a deterrent to smoking because they see the hazards of smoking. So Europe is so pro vaping. You wouldn't even believe it. They are very, and they put a lot of medical studies into it too. So it's not just like they've medically said that vaping is, is there's nothing medically wrong for you. So I'm going to read a story out of Hemp Industry Daily. Um, UK clears path for CBD food sales, but adds dosage, dosage limits and safety deadline. The dosage limits is really the key to this. British food regulators have have given the CBD industry a little over a year to apply for safety evaluations in order to remain on shelves, a landmark advancement as many nations have yet to decide whether cannabidiol can be sold in food. Now, our FDA last year, as I've mentioned, asked for players in the CBD industry, everybody to submit research, products, any kind of information on on. Um, results on people's own um, personal experiences. Uh, And they're supposed to be making a ruling very quickly. Well, as usual, Europe is ahead of us. So the UK, the announcement by the United Kingdom Food Standards Agency, FSA, which is there are comparable to the FDA on Thursday, also set dosage recommendations and warned pregnant and nursing women to avoid CBD. 
The guidelines came as many other, and we're only talking about CBD specific. So let me, let me clarify this. When you hear the word CBD and all, when I'm mentioning all this, this does not talk about broad spectrum or full spectrum or multi-cannabinoid type products. We're just talking about CBD isolate. And right now in England, the only thing you can sell is CBD isolate, by the way. Um, just so everybody's aware. The guidelines came as many other nations, including Australia, Canada, and the United States, have said they're reviewing CBD safety in food and nutritional supplements, but not yet endorsed at sale or said how it should be produced, prompting a global mor- morose of confusion about cannab- cannabidiol's legality. Cannabidiol is CBD. The new UK food rule stipulates that after March 31st, 2021, that is a year from now, only products that have submitted a valid application will be allowed to remain on the market. So basically, you're going to have to apply to be a producer of, of CBD products. So anybody that wants to sell products in the UK will have to go through this process. Until then, CBD products can stay on store, store shelves as long as these products are, number one, correctly labeled, number two, safe to eat, number three, do not contain substances substances that fall under drugs legislation. I don't know what those substances are, and I don't know if they have the individual cannabinoids listed in there. Um, So maybe we'll look that up. The direction is a pragmatic and proportionate step in balancing the protection of public health with consumer choice, agency chief executive Emily Miles said in a statement. The policy announced indicates that the UK, which recently broke ties with the European Union, plans to follow food regulations implemented by the European Commission. That agency said last year year that CBD extract can't be sold as a food ingredient without the pre-market safety authorization because it is a novel food or something not commonly eaten before 1997. That's interesting. I've never heard that one before, Bob. Have you? No. No, sir. What agency was that? That was the European Commission. Yeah, make a notation of that. <sighs> Today, no CBD food products has obtained such an approval, though the products are widely available in the United Kingdom. According to Steve Moore of the London-based Center for Medical Cannabis, CBD producers who want to sell into the UK will sell approval, will send approval plans to European authorities through the end of the year. After that, applications will be transferred to the UK authorities. Who's the winners and losers in this? The UK's updated CBD guidance gives manufacturers and retailers clarity on how to sell them legally. Legal clarity will change the UK market, predicted uh, Robert Cookson, senior consultant at Hanaway Associates. Uh, power will shift towards CBD suppliers that are actively engaged in obtaining novel foods approval. Um, interesting. So, so basically, if people were already seeing this path and started down it, they're the ones who are going to be best, best suited for that. That makes sense. And though the deadline requires only that an application be submitted, not approved, the policy will thin the ranks of the CBD products in the UK. Um, what do you think, Bob? How's that sound to you so far? Like they're making progress? Yeah, that's a very good way to put it. Simple, right? These laws don't apply to cosmetics, vapes, products making medical claims, products contain THC or other controlled drugs. The FSA also advised pregnant nursing women not to consume their post products or think carefully before taking any CBD, suggesting not to exceed a daily dosage of 70 milligrams or about 28 drops of 5% CBD oil. So that's what I want to get to. 70 milligrams is what they're recommending per day as a maximum. And if you think about it, I, don't, I think that's probably pretty fair because 
let's say a gummy is generally speaking 10 milligrams that's you taking seven in a day you're out man if you're taking oh, yeah. seven gummies like i say i my my gummies are 15 and that helps me sleep easily cool. i'm i for one for one yeah 15 milligrams i'm like uh, it's good for me and maybe i'm a lightweight but uh it puts me right to bed so I think 70 actually probably is a fair assessment. I'd yeah. like to know how they got to that 70, but. It's higher than what we're, what the U.S. is, is throwing at, isn't it? I haven't seen anything, but I have heard, uh, and Karen Tobin mentioned this the other day when I talked to her, that it does look like the FDA is going down the line to approve this as a dietary supplement. Cool. Which I think would be good for all of us. That's, pr that's some pretty heavy news. To me, that's, that's the that's the most important as far as letting kind of manufacturers know where the future of this is going to be for this for this plant in manufacturing and extraction. All right, here's an article from the USA Today um, from uh, February 13th in regards to marijuana activists. Activists are poised for a major victory in New York as state lawmakers consider a sweeping plan to legalize and tax cannabis and pour money into minority communities devastated by the war on drugs. Okay. Uh, <laughs> it sounds pretty. That's the first, that's the first paragraph. It sounds pretty. I'd love the idea that they want to pour these into these communities. Will it happen? I have my doubts because I don't know. New York seems to tax things a lot uh, that are supposed to go towards certain things. And if anybody drives in New York, they know that a lot of our taxes in the gas pumps and cigarettes are supposed to go towards roads and our roads are pretty bad. So if it actually turns and around through a tolls, we're supposed to be to pay for what? And then they put the canal system under it. And then, and the toll system was supposed to go away after. So the toll time. system was supposed to go away over 10 years ago, but it's not, it's, it's, it's here to stay with that's yeah. Yeah. That's we a, can list the endless things. In yeah. 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 Help people go ahead. <laughs> what they should, could, would have, could have <laughs> right. done. It, it drives me nuts. The state. Uh, governor Cuomo, a, a moderate Democrat, really. And, uh, <laughs> That man is the worst. I will tell you right now. That man is, if he, I don't know, man. I don't know how he is, political career is not going to end after this term. I, uh, I just, I, I, it's to, it boggles my mind that someone could be, lead such a corrupt state for so long and not be deemed as the root of the problem. <laughs> yeah, politics. That's good. All right. Is this year... Hey, don't bounce around like that. Uh, where'd it go? Rack legislation. Rack legislation. Is this year strongly backing marijuana legalization in hopes to persuade governors and voters in surrounding states to adopt similar measures? Cuomo pushes for a regional approach is itself novel and highlights the potential national impact if one of the most influential states embraces recreational cannabis. Well, that would be great. Uh, I'm looking at a chart here for uh, legalized marijuana and recreational use, um, medical marijuana and recreational. 
I find it interesting that Washington, D.C. has legalized recreational marijuana. It, it just seems a complete hypocrisy that the government is so against the concept, but yet it's legalized in D.C. That really... And, and so I was there when I was working for the post office and I got my sales job at the post office. So that was 2015-ish. And as soon as I got out of training one day, I smoked a joint on a bench with a guy who was going to work and he couldn't finish the joint. And I was just about to hop on my bike to go riding around Washington for a couple hours because I had time to kill before I had to go up to Baltimore to meet with my family. So I happened to and I didn't see it there. I didn't smell it there. But but think about this, like, socially, whatever. Like, <clears throat> Washington is a rat race. My cousin Paul spent a lot of time in Washington, D.C., uh, hunting down people. Uh, he worked as a high-level um, architect, consulting firm. He's He built the, the... He helped build the project with the train went around Newark airport. Like he did these huge power plants across the country. Like, so he was in Washington DC and he described it as this, everybody, everybody in Washington is always worried about what everybody sees of you. Right? Like, so you, you gotta be very careful who you say what to. So it's an image drink. Yes. So drinking everything like that. So like cannabis to be legal is good because it's almost like they need an escape from the fury of being there. Like, like he said, like, like the best, the people who would hook up, if anybody, would be like a, a girl who is going to a personal trainer and she ends up hooking up with a personal trainer because she can't trust to go date anybody else because everybody right, you gotta stay within your means. Stay down your lane, right? So it's funny to me, like that piece of it. Like cannabis is probably a nice escape for all those people. Hmm. That's why they legalized it. No, no, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure that's not why. But that's just like one of those sidebar. Why do you think Washington D.C. got legalized first? I have no idea. It, it like I said, it it completely befuddles me because they're you, you get these politicians that are completely against it, but yet it's legalized. I don't I don't understand the two combinations. Let me read a little bit more of the the New York situation. Mm-hmm. Sorry, it's a segue. No, no, no. Segue is good. Uh, most states have legalized marijuana have made only minor steps to aid communities historically. See that? Uh, targeted with unfair drug law, law enforcement and uh, prog- progressive active activities. Uh, I can't even speak. So they said they would rather wait a year than accept yet another law that didn't go in, do enough to correct policies. Uh, for me, sometimes implemental progress is not the answer. You have to look what opportunities would be lost through the increment progress New York is one of several states that may legalize cannabis this year as lawmakers and voters also consider proposals in Arizona Arkansas, Pennsylvania, Connecticut New Hampshire, North Dakota South Dakota, Rhode Island and New Jersey 11 states have already 11 states already permit recreational cannabis, while 33 states permit some form of medical marijuana. So that's interesting. So 11. I think yeah. I think Michigan was the 11th. That's why I was asking about yeah. 10. But that's a lot of states this, this year that are proposing it. Mm-hmm. Lawmakers in New York's last 
year failed to agree on legalization plan specifics to avoid minority communities. Although California's approximately 40 million residents legalized marijuana four years ago, New York is widely seen as a key building block towards natural legalization since it both sets the tone for much of the Northeast and because so many investors are based in New York City. Yeah, if the West is the go. I mean, they are... The West is eyeing New York. That's what I was told this week. Right, yeah. So Everybody's eyeing New York because New York City is viewed as a gateway. So all we can do is wait, 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 wait. It's, it, it's not going to be long. It, it, it's just a matter... It's going to be longer for us... I think it's going to be longer for us waiting for products to hit the market than it is from now to the time that they're going to say, yes, it's legal. It almost seems from reading this article that that there's pressure, whether New York wants to pass it or not, pressure for New York to do it. And uh, it's like they have no choice but to go forward. Or get voted out. Yeah, well, that's a good possibility, too. We, We won't go into that. Silence. Dead air. Cannabis is, uh, I just looked up on Wikipedia, cannabis in Washington, D.C., because I was curious about the history. Oh, okay, good. In Washington, D.C., cannabis is legal for recreational and medicinal uses, but is barred from commercial sale. Though the city, though the drug was fully legalized in the district following a 2014 ballot referendum, the United States Congress exercises oversight over the government of the District of Columbia, preventing the local government from regulating cannabis sales like other jurisdictions with authority derived from a U.S. state. So although marijuana is legal under district law, the possession of marijuana is still illegal under federal law. See, I don't get it. Marijuana prohibition is enforced on federal lands. Uh, including national parks and military property. The federal government controls about 29% of the district's total land area, about 18 square miles, including the National Mall, West Potomac Park, Rock Creek Park, and Joint Base Anacosta Boiling. It's it's like those games you played when you were a little kid. It's like green light, red light, green light. You know, you you, you turn your back and, and, and the person says green light and you can go one step forward. But the minute you say red light, you have to stop and freeze. But if you get caught, then you get sent back or something like that. All right. So here's how it goes, right? I could have two joints in my pocket. Uh huh. I could in, in DC. Yep. Yeah, okay. All right. So imagine I have two joints in my pocket. Okay. All right. So the first one I could smoke on a park bench on on public property, uh-huh. district property. The second one, if I have it in my pocket, and then I get on my bike and ride my bike to the national zoo with that in my pocket. I can get arrested. Yeah, for possession. So if you cross the street, <laughs> the National Mall. So if I'm riding my bike down the National Mall with a joint in my pocket, I can get arrested for possession. But if I am just off of the National Mall on the bench on the public street, <sighs> smoking it, I'm legal. It's right? very confusing. It's 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 too much. It's it's just too much. <laughs> Our country. Yeah, I mean, why would you throw a boomerang like that? And what about the police there? I wonder how many arrests are made in Washington, D.C. for possession of cannabis. 
or if they're just like whatever. I mean, because I really have never, to be honest, I've been to Washington a handful of times, probably only twice since 2014. Um, I've been to Washington maybe about 10, 15 times, I guess, now that I think about it. But anyways, only twice since 2014. I've never seen someone smoking or any smelling of weed in any of the, the National Mall, by the Washington Monument, by the Capitol Building. I've never seen anybody just puffing. Oh, I smelled some good stuff yesterday. Driving, uh, driving around um, at work, just uh, South Avenue and Highland. There was this this fragrance that it was very distinctive, and, and and I think it was like maybe skunk or something like that. And you just look around, you see three guys on the corner puffing away, and I'm like, oh, okay, it smells nice, but I'm at work. I drove, I was driving for Pontillo's pizza last night and, uh, I got boxed in by, I go in to make a delivery to apartment complex. The woman was really nice. And I come out and it's a, there's a, a vehicle there. I won't describe it, but, um, so two, two Hispanic gentlemen are in it and they see my sweatshirt cause I'm wearing my sweatshirt and with the logo and they you get wear that at work. Oh, I wear it for Pontillo's. It uh-huh. increases my tips. That's cool. Without a doubt. I get smiles and I get guys who would normally not tip me, tip me. There's no doubt. There's a certain caliber of people that don't tip, but I'm not going to talk about it on this show. <laughs> but anyways. Why? They don't listen to the show. Yeah, but it's there's no reason to tempt fate with this nonsense. So anyways, now I just lost my total train of thought. But yes, so so wearing, wearing, wearing it and uh, just the look. But go ahead, Bob. Anybody offer you? Their van smelled so good. I came out and just smiled. <laughs> so, I just smiled at them, and they knew because the smoke is pouring out of the van that they're sitting in. And uh, and they just smiled, and they backed the van up to let me out. I gave them a little thumbs up, and you, you see one of the guys kind of put the, the joint up in the air like to show me, yeah, like I didn't know already. <laughs> I love it. It's everywhere. So Washington, D.C., that is a perfect, perfect example of our country, isn't it, Bob? Yeah, the hypocrisy. Yep. What else, you Bob? What else did you dig up for us today? Oh, I'm still reading on this Cuomo thing. You got something? You got more that uh, will make people say, hmm? Uh, we're talking about a multiple decade problem that was created. It was going to be solved. It's not going to be solved in a couple of budgets. So it has to be in the statue. But the next governor, but the next governor whoever he or she may be, should have the same responsibility to invest in the lives of these folks as the previous governor. So what is that saying? Cuomo doesn't think he's going to be able to solve this problem? No, it's probably just talking about um, by the time the tax revenue starts coming in, Uh it will be the next governor's issue, if that makes sense. Can't wait till they get their first bonus from marijuana use. Bonus. There's no bonuses. What are you talking about? Oh, the governor will get a bonus on the side. Yeah. I mean, that's their that's their behind the scenes money. We can't afford your pay, but we're getting a bonus. All right, we talked about the FDA earlier. I've been wanting to dive into this. We'll, go, we'll keep going with that in a second. Um, shroom therapy startup edges towards FDA approval. The feds have designated Compass Pathways experimental psilocybin. I think I said it right. Yes. Yeah. Psilocybin treatment for depression, a breakthrough therapy. 
So I was looking at a, a trade show out in Denver, NOCO, N-O-C-O. Uh, it's one of the big hemp industry shows that goes on every year. Um, and I was just looking at the layout of the show. They have a mushroom building. So they will have a segment of the trade show that is specifically just about mushrooms. Oh, where's this? At NOCO, at the trade show. They're, they're, supposed, they're having it, not supposed to be, that they are having at the end of March. So you have a, like a building for, you know, extract, you know, for people with processors, for retailers, whatever. But there's a section just for mushrooms now. Oh, I'm going to go. Dude, that's, so we talk about the FDA, right? So the uh-huh. FDA has been really dragging their feet on this CBD thing. But on the other side of the coin, this mushroom thing, they are on the cusp of allowing this to happen and being totally supportive of it. So from Bloomberg Business Week, this is a January article, so it's a little bit older, but I'm sure many people didn't see it. Uh, just for just a few years ago, if you wanted to hear about the benefits of psychedelic drugs, your best bet was to head over to the parking lot outside the local jam band concert and flag down the guy in the tie-dye <laughs> selling magic mushrooms, wow. which is right on the money. Holy smokes. Today, there are better options. You could, and for by the way, for the last couple months, I've been trying to find that guy, and I can't. They are hard to find right now for everybody. Do you remember when we tried to grow them? No, but I'm almost to the point where I want to, for the record. Okay. Yeah, it's like like if that's an experiment you want to take on, I am all about talking about taking on that experiment because there are a ton of people who want it, and I just want to medicinally help people. Um, So... Today, there are better options. You could, for instance, fly down to the Waldorf Astoria's gated beachside resort at Boca Raton, Florida, and in between spa appointments and rounds of golf, take in the keynote address as a CNS Summit and annual Big Pharma Conference. In November, that's where you would have found George Goldsmith and Kaita. I'm not even going to try and say her Russian last name. Conservatively dressed middle-aged married couple running a mental health care company in London called Compass Pathways. Among other things, they were stumping for their answer to treatment resisting clinical depression, synthetic doses of the hallucinogen psilocybin, the active ingredient in shrooms. Our goal is to develop psilocybin therapy, the preparation, the support for the actual dosing, the medicine, and the follow-up, said Goldsmith. The plan might sound like swirling colors to anybody who lived through President Richard Nixon's crusade against Harvard professor Timothy Leary, the highest priest, of, the high priest of acid trips. I didn't know that happened. Uh, in the decades since Nixon branded Leary and his hallucinogenic public enemies as part of his war on drugs, all but a few psychiatrists have avoided publicly testing psychedelics medical benefits for fear of excommunication from their field. How funny is that? This, I love this paragraph. Nixon said, F you basically to psychedelics. No medical basis to it. I guarantee there were scientists telling him, you're not right about this. There's medical, but I'm sure somebody in the medical community was speaking up. But because of this political pressure, it meant basically scientists that a high that they were testing this stuff so they wouldn't get excommunicated from a field, even though they were testing things that they're supposed to be doing. Wow. That's that's good. We always know this has happened, right? But oh, yeah. when you see it this much slapping us in the face, it, to me, it's an insult to us as people. But you can't do anything about it. They're going to lie and hide things from us for, if, you know, till the end of time. That's that's just the, the game of politics. There's no way you can get an honest politician in, out there. There's, I don't I don't think it's possible. So fast forward 2020. Okay. 
The U.S. Food and Drug Administration has named Compass's experimental treatment a breakthrough therapy. A designation comes with extra guidance through a faster review process. Compass is running a 216-patient phase 2B clinical trial, typically the second-to-last stage before a drug gets the FDA's nod, and has made enough synthetic doses of the psychoactive ingredient in magic mushrooms to supply more than 30,000 patients. It's raised $58 million in venture funding from powerful rich, powerful tech figures, including Trump, ally Peter Thiel, investment, investor Christian... I'm not going to go all through the names. Um... So this is a legit deal. People are taking this serious. The FDA is taking it serious, which is which is huge. The advisors' bona fides are at least as important as the eight-figure funding. For the FDA to say yes to shroom therapy, you're going to have a more rigorous and more risk-averse and more Catholic than the Pope says, and so who, who's also an investor. And they're right. If the FDA approves this uh, therapy, it is great for the business side of it. And obviously, it's a Bloomberg business story, so I'm not going to go more into the finance piece of it. But Whew. 11 U.S. labs are running clinical trials to test the theory that this company has put out there. Pretty cool. How's your tea, Bob? It's very good. I like it. Yeah? Just sipping it. We've talked about growing mushrooms before, mm-hmm. and I believe I looked it up on YouTube. Um, if I you know, have a, a spare $150, I can get the entire kit. That's it, 150. That's all, 150. That's nothing, actually. It's you're right. The biggest piece of it is is um the sterility. Sterility. I don't know. A lot of people are doing this in their basement. It looks like on, on YouTube. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's not something hard to do. It's just something that's very um, calculated. From these pictures, they look so successful, but I remember when I was growing it, it was the most pathetic thing I have ever done. I mean, the mushrooms that I produced were were not even good enough for a, a salad. I mean, it was just so sad. That's because we read it out of a book out of a library instead of the internet and the YouTube like we have now. Yeah, and I, I did it in my closet mm-hmm. upstairs. Yeah, when yeah. you probably could have done it on the kitchen table and been fine. Right. But that's the way it goes. Yeah, but um, yeah, I'm I'm all about experimenting in this. I can tell you that right now. Oh, I do enjoy those, but anyways. So we've been going a little over a year now. You're a year and almost a year and a half, eighteen months. Well, when was your first start date? September of 2018. Yeah, you're. You what bet. do you think? What do you think? You. I came here today going, I want to ask Bob a couple questions just from general public, right? Like your education level from 18 months ago to now, um, you as a casual cannabis user in your life. What is my education? It's definitely grown. I mean, I mean, I've got a whole book full of questions and answers and constantly looking things up. It, I love it. It's terminology alone. I mean, from when I first started utilizing the product when you started talking to me of the things that you do talk about on the podcast I looked at you and said what are you talking about we never utilized things like flour and and I'm like it was just bud you know and your joints you, you, that that and you you always corrected me um and the terminology cannabis it's it's not weed it's cannabis it's cannabis you know and 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 the, I looked up once uh, the current terminology for 
cannabis use. And you can almost get a Webster's Dictionary's amount of information of words that is now used to describe and talk about all the things that go on in that world or this world today. I mean, it's, it's just so vast now. What's some of the things, uh, most important things you think you've learned? Uh, well, the, the overall health for it. I mean, it's, it's, it's not as unhealthy as, as the propaganda has made it out to be. And the benefits that, that it, you can reap, um, the, the explosion of the, the CB, CBD side of it, I mean, that in itself is amazing. What about your uh, interactions? I know you mentioned in the past that you talk about the podcast and what you learn with people at work uh, and maybe family. Uh, how are those interactions been? Oh, Poland, we were just downloading, folks. All righty. How we picked up Poland. Hello, I don't Poland. have a, Hello, Poland. <laughs> hello, from, hello from Rochester, New York, out to Poland. We have a new country we just picked up. Uh, actually, that's our third, Nicaragua and Peru this week, too, by the way. Oh, wow. Um, so thank you out there, everybody who, for, who is following us. I don't mean to, to take away from Bob here because this is, no, this no, is important. No, no, take away Bob. from Bob. That's fine. What, <laughs> your interactions with, with your people in your life, how has it changed regarding the cannabis plant? Because I know, is it still incessant or, or do you just pick and choose now where you say, hey, guess what I learned? No, it doesn't really come up because the people that I work with, I don't really talk too much of my personal life with. I try to separate that because, um, you know, I, I want to keep a quote unquote professional uh, stance at work. Uh, I don't like to share too much of my life with them. Um, you know, I, I like to brag when I go on my vacations because that's fun, you know, to, you know, to rub it personally. Yeah. Oh, yeah. it's a rub in their face. Yeah. Oh. It's like, aha, I'm going camping and doing all this stuff. And what are you doing? Oh, you're staying home. That's, that's sad. <laughs> so mean. I am. I, I can't help it. But they, for the most part, I find they don't really care that I go camping because they're not into it. A lot of people still are not into the whole outdoor thing. And um, I used to be upset about that. I'm okay with that now because if for me, the less that are involved in <laughs> I'm being selfish, stay home. Yeah. <laughs> the woods stink. Right. There's it nothing. Not, bugs no. and mud. And it is boring. It's terribly boring. <laughs> Yeah, it's like who wants to sit around a campfire and, and and see mountains and trees? Boring. Stay home. There's something on Netflix to watch. I mean, fresh air is overrated. Yes, stay away. I know Bob and I used to be like, how do more people not enjoy this? And now I am definitely with Bob. Stay away and don't realize what right. you're missing. I mean, when when we're going to the national parks now, it is overrun with bus loads of people. And I look at these people and I'm like, you have no right to be here. I mean, they do have a right to be there, but they don't have the, the inner appreciation that I have lived with for the majority of my life. And, and I feel kind of slighted that they're overtaking my ter territory when it's not really my territory. You know, this land is my land, this land is your land and blah, blah, blah. But yep. 
I'm being selfish. I know that I'm being completely selfish. And I, I miss the days when it was peaceful and quiet at a campground and you didn't have to see some inexperienced family unload their entire household of belongings. <laughs> and it, it befuddles me. And I'm like, you're supposed to be here to keep it simple and peaceful. And they make it complicated and stressful and they take away from what it's supposed to be. And well, because everybody thinks that when you get out there, you're going to need that thing, even if they're going to need it for two seconds, three seconds, they don't realize that they can simplify themselves by being out there. Oh yeah. There's so many things we do not need, you know, and uh, you just need a backpack of certain items and they can be used over and over and over and over. Okay, let's go over this. I like this. Okay. What's your necessities in your backpack? For a small first aid kit? It's very small first aid kit. You know, uh, painkillers, a few Band-Aids, and that's about it. Gauze, and usually I will have some kind of anti, um, you know, microbial something. Yeah. You know, like Neospore or something. Right. That's it, yeah. Water. I always have water. Uh, Some way to recreate water not recreate it but yeah but um, that's if you're really going to be out right 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 yeah um just you know i don't have a lot of items that store water because i fill them up the smaller ones that i do have you know i don't bring uh gallons and gallon containers of for water holding um i'll just refill it as i go along uh, and, and I will say I, I differ from Bob a little on this. I do like to make sure when I'm traveling that I do have a two and a half gallon like single container of water uh, because our bodies are full, so full with water. I like to have it to know that if I'm not in a spot where I can sanitize it or I don't have my life stick or something or I can't boil quickly. But that's the only place I would probably differ from you, Bob. But well, I know because of my itinerary that the next spot we're going to is going to have water. There's until you get a flat tire and then you're walking three miles and you're like, oh, smokes, where am I getting clean water? We always start the day by filling up our water, our water. Oh, yeah. So we have it on us. It's not I'm like teasing. We, yeah, yeah, I can't. And, yeah, I'm playing devil's advocate right now, folks. And for the most part, when I do get to my lo- a location, uh, I try not to drive. You know, I, I use the shuttle systems. Um, that vehicle becomes parked and it is secondary for me you know i want to hit the trails more than i want to drive around you want to be out there so in the backpack we've talked about a small first aid kit we've talked about water my Uh, camera i gotta have my camera yeah and i also like to have a headlamp okay Uh, i don't care to get caught someplace i was so this is my essentials of a backpack when i go day day for a day pack like if i'm okay if I'm going to the Adirondacks and I'm doing six, eight, ten miles, something like that in a day, this is this will be my essentials in my pack. Uh, I also make sure I have a knife or a little utility kit uh, in that pack. Mm-hmm. And try to think what else. I know. Food. I, yep, of course. Food. Nutrition. Yep. Not junk food. Usually trail mix or uh, I I really like using those bow. What are those bow power? Not the power bars, but the. Um, like the kind, ones. yeah, like one of those. Yeah, I always yeah. make sure I have those high nutrition bars where you can just right, take right, pieces right. of it. High protein, nutrition. high nutrition. Yeah. Yep. Uh, just little things, especially if you are new to going in the woods. These are just the little items that you would want to have. Right. You got to think about the weather too. Uh, pack in uh, 
a secondary jacket if necessary, even if you think it's going to be warm. could get colder later at night. What's our favorite phrase for your base layer? What don't you want to have? Cotton is rotten. Oh, cotton is rotten, yeah. I love the new sh- new clothing that they have out now. That's, I guess it's polyester. I'm not really sure. but Polypropylene, poly, yeah, whatever poly it is. Just yeah. uh, That's the one thing, folks. Dress in layers. Bring layers. You don't necessarily have to have a big coat, so you're taking it on and off. You know, go in layers and never, ever, ever have cotton as your base layer from the tip of your toe to the top of your head, anything right. but cotton. Because as soon as that gets wet, it pulls the heat out of you. You can get hyperthermic. How warm, how, how cold does that have to be for you to get hyperthermic, Bob? I don't know. Look it up. Um, you can get hyperthermic an 80-degree day. 80-degree day? I think you. it doesn't matter. You body, as soon as your body chills, you, gotta, you can worry about. That is one of the biggest fears to me being out. It's getting to the point where you can't get your body warm. That's the scariest thing to me. All right. If you're going to go out there. Share the trail. Don't be a trail hog. (laughs) Remember, there are other people out there, and unfortunately, lots of other people. Be mindful. You're not the only person on the road or on the trail. That pisses me off. People are completely oblivious that there are other people beside you, in front of you. We see that everywhere in life, though. Walking out Wegmans and you got to... You shouldn't expect that when you go out into nature. Sometimes you got to remember too, people aren't out there, Bob. So they're so overwhelmed about what they're seeing that they're not, they're, you know, you're just like a blip. They're like, holy smokes, look at all this. Oh my, there's so much to, so many new stimuli they're not used to. So I try to give a little bit of a caveat to that, but okay, yeah, at least, at least be respectful of the people around you. I agree. Right. Or Netflix. <laughs> or stay home to Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> Or go to state parks if you want to avoid the crowds. The state parks are a little bit better than the, the national parks, which kind of yeah. draw, the, draw the more tourist stuff. Right. They love the crowds. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of state parks in New York State that you can get lost in very easily. Mm-hmm. Um, cannabis. Back to the cannabis conversation, Bob. Okay. 18 months. What have you learned? 18 months. You're looking up hypothermia. Is that what you're doing over there? No. Okay. Just looking up, you know, where I go on camping next. Oh, I love it. <laughs> Uh, all right, so okay, because I want to kind of wrap up the episode. This okay, is kind good. of current events. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Um, how have you enjoyed being on the podcast? What have you taken from it? Um, uh, it's it's honed my researching, I guess. I uh, uh, you know, I, you, every every episode is is different when you have a new guest on, and you and you hear about all their insights, and I love that. Um, you know, there's a few guests that really stick out in my mind. I don't remember their names, but um, there was this one girl. Oh, boy, I'm terrible with names. I think she was a bodybuilder slash... You talk about our dragon lady, Miranda? Maybe. Yep, the the one, the, po- the power lifter, the one who did the... Uh, uh, strong woman competition. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and an uh, update. I'm so glad you brought her up. Huh. She just moved to Japan with her boyfriend. Wow. And I went to her going away party and uh, it was so funny. She saw me before I saw her and she came over and gave me the biggest hug, introduced me to her mom. Her mom is the sweetest woman who is totally supportive of everything she's doing. 
and um, I've given her a sticker so I, 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 of the podcast, and hopefully she's listened to a couple episodes. But um, Miranda has promised to be on when she comes back from Japan oh, cool. to talk about her experience there. Uh, and one of the things we, she talked about is she cannot use the cannabis plant at all there. Like, on a military base in Japan, Japan is very oh, anti-cannabis. And no, but also Japan too. Oh, really? So even like off base, like it, like it's pretty much no. Ca- like she was not going to risk it bringing anything, like an undercover bottle and a, and a shampoo or something. Like she was not risking it at huh. all. Like so, she really that was her one kind of concern was just she wouldn't have like her her sleep aid kind of right. Um, so, but Miranda, uh, I'm so glad you brought her up. But but what other guests stood out to you? But yeah, so she will be on when she gets back from Japan. Everybody. Hmm. Some of the athletes were kind of uh, insightful as as to how they go about their their trainings and and infuse cannabis in their life. Um, there was that young kid uh, who had um, a football team. Yep, the uh, uh, Love Kevin Love, I think was his name, right? Yeah, I found him interesting. He was yeah, the a youngest, smart guy. Yeah, for how young he was and owned yeah, a franchise, semi-pro smart guy. franchise. Yep. I mean, I don't, I don't mean to, to exclude uh, so many of your guests, but there were a lot of guests, and there shall be, I suppose, more. Yeah, there have been a lot of guests. We've we've had and we've had a good diversity. Yeah, which has been huge. Um, so I'm glad because I didn't know which one stuck out to you. So this is kind of an interesting um dynamic that we're going through right now. Um. I'm trying. I'm trying to find the actual episode that he was on, so I could read. Oh, the strongest dragon lady. Yep, that was Miranda. Um, and then I'm trying to find the youngest. Uh, who else stood out to you? The youngest semi-pro football franchise owner in the country. Yep, that was back an early episode as well. Uh, and that was Tommy Love. I'm sorry, not Kevin Love. I apologize. Tommy Love, 23 years old, the owner of the Update. Upstate Predators. So yeah, he was he was a good interview, and it's amazing how many young entrepreneurs we've had on that yeah. are really um, have a very solid vision of, of living life correctly and not the way that we were kind of taught back in the day. If that makes sense. Yeah, that, I don't know. They're they're all they were all really good people, very knowledgeable too. I mean, a lot of people had so much to offer. And uh, we're very energetic. We've had a lot of good energy right. from these people as well. So, Bob, you're infused tea. Uh-huh. Any uh, positive effects, negative effects? What do you got so far? Um, it's making me feel a little bit warmer. But then again, Jay likes to keep it hot in this house. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's it's an interesting um, taste because it's it's coconut oil. So it's the top layer is oily. So it's like putting lip balm every time you, you sip it. I should have consumed it by now, but, uh, you know, it, it's nothing crazy. Uh, it's not, not like the walls are melting. So I think we want to do an experiment. We're going to try Jacob's firecrackers. So we're going to try and talk maybe Jay here into get letting us use the oven and have a little uh, full-spectrum treat for us maybe here in the next couple episodes. So, so we're going to have to figure that out. Firecracker? Yeah, firecracker. Jacob Fox taught us how to make firecrackers. Okay. So if I think if you listen back to episode one slash two with Jacob Fox, you will hear about the firecrackers. All right. Yummy, yummy to my tummy. I just bought graham crackers, by the way, for them. So 
And I always have peanut butter hands, so I'm almost close. I think I'm going to try them at home before I try it here. Bob, anything that you want to pass on to anybody uh, as far as um, the new year, winter, spring? We're about to wrap up. Nope. Spring cleaning is almost here. Don't forget to do your taxes, everybody. Yeah. Death and taxes the only two things we are assured of in this life. Uh-huh. Though the cannabis plant is a close third. Yeah. Uh, thank you for joining us this week. We got the update on the FSA. Hopefully the FDA will be making rulings soon. Uh, and our next episode, if everything works out, will be a local uh, an, a local entrepreneur who is a formal pharmaceutical rep. So we'll hear uh, her path from pharmaceutical rep to athlete to getting in the cannabis industry. Uh, so that will be coming on board soon. Thank you for everything, Bob. All right. Ciao. Ciao.